Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we do every day from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. Hey, girl. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not turning on Kamala Harris. No, I never had her back, but check it out. Nancy Pelosi refusing to endorse Kamala as Biden's running mate. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Uh, But she seems to be losing the support of not only Pelosi, who is very much a trendsetter in the Democratic Party, but Politico running a hit piece on Kamala as well. Get her out. Get her out of here. We will discuss Kamala. We will discuss Biden with Ron DeSantis. Get this. The governor of Florida, 46th governor of Florida, celebrating his 45th birthday today. He knows how to do it in style. He's making his Fox Across America debut. He will join us at the tippy top of the third hour of today's show to discuss all things America, as well as the fact that he is hellbent on replacing Donald Trump at the top of the ticket. Wrong. We don't know that it'll get there, but uh, we will get a long overdue glimpse into the guy. Okay, I tell you this all the time. The superpower of radio is, you know, everybody's politics. We have an opportunity. We have a little more time with them. We have a little more more latitude to give you the person behind the politics, and that's what we plan to do today with Ron DeSantis. There's a slob. There's a real slob. 888-788-9910. If you want to join in, uh, if you like DeSantis, if you want to take some cheap shots like that Trump clip. (laughs) To be honest with you, I'm really excited because I really get a good gauge on candidates, on politicians and talking to them because I used to be a cab driver and you develop really good character judgment skills. I mean this, okay? When you drive a cab, you have to quickly determine in a matter of seconds who wants to go home and who wants to go to a landfill with your head in the trunk of the car. That can't be good. Well, in the beginning, it can't be good. After, like, you know, a few weeks of driving a cab, you're actually hoping for the guy who's going to get in and kill you. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. But I will give you a full report card on DeSantis's character, somebody who I've spent a lot of time talking about. Love his leadership in, po- in Florida. We love a lot of his policies. I think he could have did a better job of connecting with voters at the first debate, but I think in the face of a food fight, you know, Vivek's over there hitting tennis balls. Christie's calling Trump names. Pence is asking very important questions like, why are you here? <laughs> Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson auditioning for a role on Dancing with the Stars. I think DeSantis decided to demonstrate competence and leadership, which is commendable. I don't know if it'll get him over the top in the race, because the sad reality of right now is we've turned president into class president. You run now. And you lead now and you win now by making the most noise, by winning the most news cycles. So DeSantis finds himself in a precarious position 
in that when this race started and he initially jumped in with all the heat and all the money and all the super PACs, all the big donors behind him, okay, he had narrowed the Trump lead at one point to low double digits, like 12 points in early batting ground states. As we sit here right now, Trump's got him by about 50 points. This could be a problem. So how he makes his way back hill uphill, I will allow him to tell you. Uh, but when he gets to the top of that hill, if in fact he pulls it off, it's a really good chance he will not be running against Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Okay, there is a piece out today on Kamala, which comes just moments and seconds after the latest Biden hit piece. So there's a weird thing going on in the media. And I've been telling you this. But essentially, the DNC has put a hit out on Biden and Kamala. Oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, and I say that because what the media is reporting as new, meaning poll numbers that say he's too old to run, poll numbers that say the country's going in the wrong direction, poll numbers that say he did something wrong in Ukraine. None of the information is, is new. None of it's new. Okay, the media is presenting it to you as if they just found it on the sidewalk. I mean, well, would you look at this? You know what I mean? Like you're a little kid, you're walking around by a dumpster and you find a stack of Playboys. Hubba, hubba. Okay, the media <laughs> picking up these old poll numbers that have been around for two years. And they're going, what is this? Whoa, Biden's unpopular? Huh. I didn't read that was a thing. Oh, wait. Two thirds of the country says he's too old to run again. I, Biden's lost his marbles. And people have been saying that for two years. So when the media starts reporting it as fresh, when they start acknowledging these realities, it's because someone has given them permission to do so. The DNC runs the media. See, they work as one and the same. Liberals are, to their credit, a phenomenally tight knit unit. Okay, they're like going to watch a tight band. Every note's on time, every dance move right at the right number. When Mick Jagger does the thing with the shoulder, start the guitar for satisfaction. And that's the media. Okay. Someone in the DNC said to the media, by the way, if we're going to get rid of Biden, we've got a very short window before the filing deadlines in October. And just like that, the media was like, although they wouldn't play satisfaction with Joe Biden, they would probably play help me up. <laughs> Maybe not start me up. Help me up. <laughs> Maybe not get off of my cloud. Uh, maybe they would sing uh, get off of my lawn, if I'm being totally honest with you. That man belongs in a nursing home, not in the White House. But now they're coming for Kamala. Okay, political peace out today. Okay, they want change on this ticket. Make no mistake about it. They consider Biden to be a liability. If they can't get him off the ticket, they're going to need to get rid of Kamala. Okay, that's where their mindset is. They know it. These both they're both polling historically low. You understand Kamala polling lower than Biden right now. So the media does not want that to be run again. The DNC does not want that to be run again. It's very clear that there's been a hit put out on both of them. And whoever survives this thing, okay, will do so on miracle footing. Because once that hit goes in from the media, once they start talking about something, they don't stop talking about it. Okay, that's their thing. Social pressure is the weapon here. Okay, but let's start here. Okay, David Ignatius of The Washington Post, he wrote an op-ed saying Biden shouldn't run again. Let's start with his clip. It is The Washington Post, the people who knowingly buried the Hunter Biden laptop story in the run-up to the election, only to turn around the minute it was over and go, oh, by the way, it was real. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. 
But you understand they ran election interference for the Biden campaign, and they essentially admitted it by saying, oh, yeah, no, we knew it was rough. Okay, they are a human shield for whoever the Democrats want the president to be. Okay, they're the ones who pushed and dropped a thousand anonymously sourced bombshells about Trump being in bed with Russia to win the 2016 election. It was made up by these sick people. You know, they like to tell you democracy dies in darkness. They have interfered in democracy at every turn to help the Democrats. So the fact that they're now taking shots at Biden and his age and his competence, it's very telling, you guys. And again, they're not doing so with new information. That's why you know this is a thing. Clip one. This combination of Joe Biden at the top of the ticket um, and the polls show people feel uneasy about somebody uh, who's 82 serving another four-year term. Um, that The combination of that and people's uneasiness is reflected in polls uh, about about the vice president succeeding him. Time is running out. In another month, this, this could, it's going to be too late to have this conversation. So uh, I, I thought b- before it was locked in stone, it was worth at least raising. And there is the tell. Time is running out. Oh! We're in a moment as a country right now. Everyone's been to a wedding where the people are sitting in the back of the church going, like, really, these two are getting married? Like, are you serious? They're getting what? Really? Everyone's been to one of those weddings. And if you haven't been to one of those weddings, you're the couple they were saying that about. I think he's got a point. Okay, you understand. Right now, the idea of running two people who are polling in the high to mid-30s for re-election would be the dumbest thing in the history of politics, especially given the concerns about Biden's age to boot. But knowing his VP is less popular than him, okay, they realize in the back of the church it is a speak now or forever hold your peace moment. Which brings me to Kamala. Here is David Ignatius refusing to hold his peace on Kamala. Clip two. My impression from talking to people in Washington and around the country is that she has not been successful uh, in the way that she would want in getting traction as, as, as vice president. The, the key question with somebody who's as, as old as vice president, as, excuse me, President Biden will be, is, is whether people see the vice president as, as a strong successor. So far, I don't think she's made that case to the country. If she's going to make it, now's the time. Wow understand okay saying step on the gas gas girlfriend make the case for a president kamala no god and everybody feels that way here is nancy pelosi trying to say you know kamala being on the ticket is good and she's doing a good job but again she's saying it in that pelosi way nancy pelosi is a total dingbat but why am i playing you this clip what's the significance of nancy pelosi okay She, as the former House Speaker, as the most powerful sitting Democrat in Washington, has the key to all the fundraising. You understand that when Nancy Pelosi talks, that's the cash talking. That's the donor class talking. Money, 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 money. The donors ain't good with Kamala. Here's the clip three. Is Vice President Kamala Harris the best running mate for this president? He thinks so. And that's what matters. And by the way, she's very politically astute. I don't think people give her enough credit. You shouldn't underestimate what Kamala Harris brings to the table. That hurt, Kamala. Do you think she is the the best running mate, though? She's the vice president of the United States. So when people say to me, well, why isn't she doing this or that? I said, because she's the vice president. That's the job description. You don't do that much. (laughs) 
Oh, man. I got a bad feeling about this. Oh, if you're working for Kamala, you definitely have a bad feeling about this. Okay. When women want to take down women, they're brutal. And it's not what they say. It's what they don't say that makes it so brutal. That's true. That is true. So the direct question was, is Vice President Harris the best running mate for this president? (laughs) Pelosi goes, well, he thinks so. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. I mean, put it in this perspective. He thinks so, and that's what matters. So imagine that. Imagine I'm getting married. Okay. Okay, Jenny, and my wife likes Jenny. Everybody likes Jenny. It's I almost resent it on some level. She's the most likable human being I know. For real. Like, it's, you know, I do a right media and stuff, but Jenny's just the universally, she's a Swiss Army wife. There's no scenario I put her in that she's not liked. I could put her on the radio, I could put her on TV, she could build furniture, she could make a cake, she could do anything. She's incredible. She really is. Okay. But the truth is, if I was getting married and you asked my mom, hey, about this girl Jim's marrying, she a good girl? If my mom said, well, he thinks so. Okay, that's my mom saying, I don't think so. He knows what he's talking about. That is woman 101. Like, if you subtitled that, if there was a sign language interpreter for that, for that interview, when he goes, do you think Kamala's a good running mate for the president? Based on what Pelosi just said, the sign language interpreter would have just shook his head no, meaning she doesn't think Kamala's a good running mate. Is that a good running mate for the president? Well, he thinks so. That's all that matters. Yo. That means she ain't with it. And if she ain't with it, okay, that means the donors ain't with it. And if you know anything about presidential politics, it's an endless game of... Please give us money. Okay, well, the donors are essentially saying if it's Joe and Kamala... The answer would be no. Not good. Okay, here is everything you need to know in this moment. Okay, the David Ignatius quote out of the Washington Post, which he gave to MSNBC, speaks to the logistical problem facing the Democrats. There is a deadline, a filing deadline for people to get on the ballot, for people to raise money, for people to organize a ground game. Now, between now and October, the end of October, okay, it's not a lot of time to organize a ground game. But the reason I still don't believe Biden is running and the reason so many people are putting pressure on Biden to not run is because Biden hasn't organized a ground game either. Okay, his campaign right now is employing 10 people. 10 people. Do you know how many people DeSantis has knocking on doors in Iowa? Literally hundreds. Do you know how many people Scott has? Do you know how many people Haley has? Okay, you know how many people Christie has knocking on doors? Granted, they're pizza men knocking on his door, but the point is it's more than 10. Okay, Biden is in a situation where he hasn't staffed a full campaign. And we're in this trial balloon phase where the Democrats are trying to figure out if they can whack him from the ticket and replace him with someone viable. Okay, the truth is Joe Biden is in a lot of trouble. And what was a success initially, which was, well, you know, he's never going to get the 25th Amendment in his first term because Kamala is terrible. Nobody wants her to be president. But the fact that nobody wants her to be president becomes a really big liability in the second term because they realize, given his age, that if they vote for him, they're voting for her. And there is nobody in either party at any age from any donor class that thinks that's a good idea. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. It is Fox Across America. I'm going to give you a little more Nancy Pelosi. It's a busy Thursday. It's a chippy day. Uh, I am scheduled to be on with Sean Hannity tonight, live Hannity, 9 p.m. hour in front of a live audience, which means I'll be throwing some footballs into the crowd, probably get to break some stuff. It'll be fabulous. Ron DeSantis is stopping by to join us at the top of the third hour today to discuss the election. Uh, We will certainly get into Biden's age. Nancy Pelosi asked about it on Morning Joe, clip four. And I'm not trying to be cheeky or cute about this. This has become a really serious conversation where people are putting Joe Biden's uh, potential reelection in question because of his age. Well, age is a relative thing, as we all know. And uh, just looking to our own families and communities and the rest. Uh, I come from a community where I just visited with uh, uh, Norman Lear, who's 101, uh, Frank Gehry, who's 95, both of them still actively involved uh, in their professions. Uh, it, it is, again, it's relative. I think that uh, Joe Biden is bring such wisdom, judgment, experience to the job of presidency. And uh, he is a great president and will continue to be a great president. I mean, come on, lady. You're not telling me the truth. He's a great president. Seventy percent of the country thinks we're headed in the wrong direction. If you hailed an Uber, you and your friends hailed an Uber, and 70 percent of you thought the driver was going the wrong way. Would you get out and leave a review that he was a great driver? The answer would be no. Biden has been a disastrous president, but Nancy Pelosi is a propaganda. You know, she's a propagandist. I mean, that's what she does. She gets on TV. But here's the position the Democrats find them in. This is politics to English. Okay, brace yourself. But this is a hard truth, and this is the hard truth the Democrats are facing. They want Biden to be the president because he's not the president. Okay, having him in office allows everybody else to assume a lot more power behind the scenes than they would with a traditionally cognitively functioning president. Okay, in Biden's case, he is an empty vessel. He is there. He is the vessel through which they assume all the bureaucratic powers they've used to reconfigure our economy, whether we're talking about energy production. Okay, whether we're talking about tax increases, whether we're talking about all the things we're doing at the border. Okay, the reality is none of them could be done if there was a president in office that might push back against some of it, given how destructive it's been. But they run a globalist playbook right through Biden. He has no say in the matter, so they want him to be the guy desperately. Their concern is, looking at these poll numbers right now, they don't know if he can go the distance and get him over the top. And heaven forbid Kamala becomes the person in between. There's no way they're going to win. Kamala is a lying sociopath. Fact check. People don't believe me. They think I'm kidding. But I actually genuinely feel bad for Corrine Jean-Pierre. She is so bad at her job. A lot of people feel that way. But the truth is she didn't sign up for this version of the job. Okay. In the era of identity politics, in an era where 99.9% of the press is liberal, okay, they could justify putting Corrine Jean-Pierre up at the podium because they never expected her to take a tough question. 
That's why people work in the Democratic administration. It's great. You get all the, you know, all the credit on your resume for working in the White House, being in a position of prominence. And, you know, the media, if you remember, when this administration started off, it was embarrassing. They were like, oh, Mr. Biden, what's it like replacing such an evil man? (laughs) What's it like being so decent all the time? You know, it was an easy gig. Okay, but things have gone so far off the rails under this administration that they're starting to ask questions that none of these people are qualified to answer. Because the problem with eliminating a meritocracy from our society is we're now appointing people just because we've never had somebody with their credentials serve in that official capacity. And again, I am open to that progress if the person is qualified. Like there are, okay, probably my rough guesstimate, 10 million black women who could do this job better than Corrine Jean-Pierre, okay? If you want to lower that number because you'd also have to be a lesbian because that was the requirement, that's how the White House announced this thing, okay? Then let's say there's 5 million. Let's say there's 2 million. The point is there are millions, millions of qualified, okay, phenomenal black women who would do the hell out of this job, and they'd be great at it. Okay, but when you pick people just because, well, they've been around politics. It's their turn just because. Here you go. You check boxes, but you don't get paid checks. That's why the economy's going south. That's why transportation's so bad. Pete Buttigieg, who had the nickname of Pothole Pete in Indiana, became a national name by running for president, and they took a guy named Pothole Pete and put him in charge of every single road in the country as transportation secretary. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Again. Okay, I would give that job to a guy who had a nickname of like Flat Road Frank or, you know what I mean, (laughs) Freeway Phil, you know, somebody who was known for quality roads. Best Bridges Bob. Give him the job of transportation secretary. But Pothole Pete, I got to be honest, he shouldn't be doing the job. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. But they threw a guy in there. And now, you know, the supply chain was out of whack because the first thing Booty Judge did was what? He renamed the NOTAM flight alert system, Notice to Airmen. He renamed it to Notice to Air Person. That's what he did, okay? And why did he do it? It's like, well, it's insensitive. You know, Notice to Airmen. We're not going to gender the language. Folks, if you're on a commercial airline in charge of 250 lives and you're not emotionally equipped to hear the words notice to air men, you should not be flying a plane. I think he's got a point. You should be in charge of no one's life. (laughs) Ah, this is your pilot speaking. We're going to head up to 37,000 feet. Wait a minute here. We've got a notice. A notice to what? A notice to air men? That's it. I'm tanking this thing. Oh, we are out of here. I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? It's the silly season. But you understand we have unqualified people doing these positions thinking they were going to be immune to criticism because the media is as overwhelmingly liberal as it is. But now the determination has been made in the back rooms that this administration has to go. So they're starting to face tougher questions. So John Kirby went out first, Pentagon spokesman, to take some questions uh, about Biden and the state of affairs. And that ultimately made its way over to KJP. And I felt bad for her because she had to turn tail and conclude the press conference, okay, after initially getting a real mouthy with a CNN reporter about evidence of, of for the impeachment. It's a really contentious exchange, and I have to tell you, it's, a, it's an exchange she never thought she was going to be a part of when she signed up to take this gig, okay? Here is uh, KJP Clip 16. 
Does the President or the White House more broadly plan to comply with requests for information from House Republicans as part of the impeachment inquiry? Well, I, I, I've stated a couple of times uh, just in the past few minutes that any any specifics, inquiries, or anything like that, that is something that my account, uh, that the council, my my uh, the gotcha. my colleagues at the White House Council certainly will will deal with, and any specifics I would refer you to them. You suggested that there's no evidence to back up the Republicans, which is true. Here, I'm um, not suggesting it. That's actually a fact. If they are seeking information, again, that is something that the White House Council is going to deal with, and it's not a suggestion. It's actually an actual fact. I mean, you're a bald-faced liar. A liar. Is it a fact? that there's no evidence linking Biden to his son's business deals? The answer would be no. Yo, just you guys. So my brain hurts. Do this for me, okay? Even if you're a liberal, just do this for me, okay? Joe Biden called into Hunter Biden's business meetings 22 times. We now admit this. Okay, the claim is he wasn't involved. He was just calling in to talk about the weather. That's insulting to you and your intelligence. But start there with a basic level. Okay, he called into his business meetings 22 times. Has anyone out there ever called into a business meeting 22 times that they weren't a part of in the history of business? The answer would be no. No. Okay, two IRS whistleblowers, okay, have come forward to say they were stopped by their higher ups from investigating overwhelming evidence that connected Joe Biden to Hunter Biden's business dealings and raised all kinds of red flags. So does that sound like no evidence? The answer would be no. Barack Obama's Treasury Department, while Biden was vice president, filed over 150 suspicious activities reports about the Biden's business dealings. Does that sound like no evidence? The answer would be no. I mean, dude, Hunter Biden's two business partners testified that Biden was getting a 10 percent kickback on all the deals. Are you the big man, Joe? So when you say there's no evidence, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like Corrine Jean-Pierre standing in the White House press briefing room and saying, well, there's no proof the White House exists. And they're like, wait, what do you mean? We're, we're in it. What are you talking well, Is this the Matrix? Like, what's going on? Like, did they get high? What if we're all just one tiny molecule in the fingernail of a giant being? Like, what, what is this defense? There's no way. We're just going to, no, nah, we'll, just, we'll just tell them there is none. It's an old Eddie Murphy bit where he gets caught cheating by a girl. He's like, I'm so screwed. The only thing I could do is tell her, it wasn't me. It's like, what are you talking about? I walked in the room, I saw you there. And he's like, it wasn't me. <laughs> That's a Shaggy song. Shaggy, the old reggae singer. Remember the song about the woman walks in, she caught him red-handed, and he's like, it wasn't me. He didn't know what else to say. That's, that's what they're doing. It wasn't me. There's no evidence. Okay, we know there's evidence. But this is what happens when unqualified people are unable to meet the moment. Okay, she didn't know what to do. They're asking her hard questions, and she can't tell the truth. That's not how this works. Okay, so here she is, again, lecturing the press about answering, asking this question, clip 17. What you see Republicans uh, in Congress, right, they have uh, spent all year investigating the president. That's what they have spent all year doing and uh, have turned up with no evidence, none, he, that he did anything wrong. I mean, that is what we've heard over and over again from their almost year-long investigation. And, uh, and that's because the president didn't do anything wrong. You are so full of Okay, at the very least, you know he lied because he said the laptop was Russian disinformation. That turned out to be a lie. Said, I never spoke to my son about his business. We now know that's a lie. Said, I never spoke to his business partners. We now know that's a lie. Okay, you understand? Those are significant lies. Like, if you're solving a murder, again, you don't solve the murder because there's a video of a guy killing somebody. You solve a murder 
because initial lies lead you to question the person's credibility in ways that bring you on an evidence trail towards the crime itself. That's how it works. Hey, what'd you have for breakfast? Oh, I stayed home and made Eggos, which sound great right now. I'm starving myself. Eggos. Huh. It's weird. The detectives look at each other because they have a video of him eating breakfast at the diner. What'd you do after breakfast? Nothing. I watched a movie. Huh. The detectives kind of look at each other because they know they have video of him driving past a crime scene. Huh. And after the movie, did you go anywhere? Yeah, I took my dog out for a walk around the block, but that was it. And they look at each other and they go, huh. It's interesting because we pinged this guy's cell phone and his cell phone was in 20 feet of the murder scene. Interesting. I think we got a lead here. And that's how you figure it out. It's the little lies that lead you to the big one. Biden lied about everything, lied about the laptop, lied about his son's business, lied about his son's business partners, lied about meeting with them, lied about the transfers of money. We now know Hunter got tens of millions of dollars. Okay, the only thing he told the truth about was the fact that he used his influence in the government to withhold aid from Ukraine and get a prosecutor fired who was investigating his son. I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. Now, we were told threatening to withhold aid from a foreign entity was treasonous. He should be behind bars. By the Democrat standard. But understand what's going on. KJP, I mean, that's evidence. But KJP, I mean, the guy's bragging. No, no, I threatened to withhold government aid. That's a crime, guys. That is a crime. Whether that prosecutor was investigating Burisma or he's investigating somebody else. If you say to them, I'm not giving you the money unless you do what I want, that's a crime. Okay, but take it a step further, okay, because I told you this yesterday, okay? They try to Chuck Schumer out to try to discredit this thing in the media. Chuck Schumer is a clown. And the media was having it. I'm going to give you some media here, too. Why? And I told you this yesterday. This matters. The media needs Joe Biden to leave because of his age. They do not want him leaving over Ukraine. They do not want him getting impeached. They do not want any of these records being exposed because they covered this up. They said it was fake. They said there was Russian debunked Russian disinformation. Okay, and you understand if the public openly acknowledges the Bidens were corrupt and the media killed the story, that makes Trump more powerful, more formidable, more palatable if the general public goes, wow. I mean, I think Trump was a jerk. I think he tweeted a lot of mean things. But it turns out they were doing him dirty that whole time. It turns out as foul-mouthed as he could be that he was the good guy and the people in D.C. were the bad guys. And that turns the whole election upside down for the Democrats. Ah! Ah, no, no! So they're trying to get Biden out of this bar and home. He's too old. Get him out of here because they don't want this thing to take another step. Here is Chuck Schumer trying to say it's an absurd witch hunt. Clip 20. I think the impeachment inquiry is absurd. The American people want us to do something that will make their lives better, not go off on these chases and uh, witch hunts. The bottom line is, as we have said, you can only accomplish keeping the government open in a bipartisan way. Okay, really think about that. The American people wanted to do something that will make their lives better, not go off on these chases and witch hunts, says Chuck Schumer, 
who held the country hostage with a two and a half year Russia probe that they knew was made up out of thin air at the time they were advancing it on TV. And when he talks to you about, you know, keep the government open, we need something productive. American people want you to do something that'll make their lives better. Okay, Chuck Schumer was part of a group that called themselves the resistance. Hashtag resist. They thought they were like Star Wars people. That was absolutely dreadful. Resist. Trump has an agenda. Hashtag resist. Now Chuck Schumer says, oh, the Republicans. The Americans want the government to get to work, not play political games. Chuck Schumer, get the f*** out of here. Okay, but here's CNN telling your viewers there's no evidence. No, come on. And again, why? They need Biden to leave town for old man reasons. They cannot have him leave town because of Ukraine. Clip 21. Republicans have literally been looking for evidence of this for years and have not yet found any. This House Speaker <laughs> is now greenlighting an investigation into Biden without any evidence of wrongdoing. I'm going to reiterate to the audience because we need to be clear. There is not evidence. Well, they don't have evidence yet to prove that very serious allegation. Again, uh, no evidence that we have seen. As for evidence, though, there hasn't been any. House Republicans have still not delivered any proof of President Biden directly benefiting from his son's business dealings. I'm surrounded by idiots. Surrounded by clowns. That's what that actually is. Okay. There's an awful lot of evidence out there connecting Biden to his son. Does that mean he's going to go to jail? No, I don't know that. I don't know where it's actually going to go. But if we're going to pretend there's no evidence, it's, you know, it's just beneath us intellectually. Like, it's got to hurt your face a little bit to say that, especially when you're a member of the media that claimed Trump was a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin with nothing other than stories you made up. So now you're going to turn around in the face of IRS whistleblowers, in the face of Hunter Biden's business partners, in the face of bank records. Again, how many people do you know that are in a legitimate business that get money and then funnel it through 15 different bank accounts, shell companies, before it winds up in their grandkids' bank account. How many people you know that are doing legitimate business like that? Okay, the answer is zero. Okay, there's so many things here that lend themselves to a racketeering case. And again, if this, i oh, so lazy to say, the old, if this was a Republican, but if this was a Republican, the country would be on fire right now. They'd be screaming. Think about this. If Donald Trump's kids were getting $100,000 a month from a Ukrainian power company, and then we turned around and sent $100 billion to Ukraine, do you think for a second the Democrats wouldn't be screaming that the whole war in Ukraine was corrupt? I mean, come on. They'd be like, what are we doing? This is payola, money laundering, quid pro quo. They'd be doing all of that. They impeached Donald Trump for investigating Joe Biden or wanting to for what Joe Biden admitted to doing, which was withholding aid from a prosecutor. But this is why the country's broken. We have performance artists on TV now. They're not pundits. Okay, they're not journalists. They're activists masquerading as journalists. I'm like the only guy who just gets on the air and just gives you the straight dope. I'm telling you, I need to hire a food taster, but the joke's on them because they're making me eat nothing but yogurt till I film this stand-up special. You're killing yourself the way you eat. Y'all fat f- look at you. Taking the edge off, one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. 
Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon, 888-788-9910. Kevin Walling coming by in the next hour. He worked on the Biden campaign. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. I'll say. Talk about a fool's errand. Uh, but we love Walling and we like the crosstalk. Ron DeSantis, the 46th governor of Florida. Tippy top of the third hour. He is going to join us and we'll have a quick talk about all things 2020. Uh, I'm going to play you a clip as well in a little bit about CNN. Uh, Daniel Dale over at CNN compiled a list of all the lies Biden has told surrounding 9-11. And again, this is stuff that we've been covering at Fox for three years. Okay, seven different times. Biden has told the story about going a million miles on Amtrak where he ran into a conductor named Angelo who told Biden, uh, hey, Joey, baby, and the Secret Service almost shot the guy. The only problem is the guy, Angelo, who worked on that Amtrak, died 10 years before Biden became vice president. We have a president that is clearly not all there. He's told the stories about being a truck driver, told the story that he got oil cancer from his mom's windshield wipers. OK, obviously the sad uh, call out to Jackie Walorski at the bill signing. OK, the guy's a mess. OK, his lie last week about 9-11. Yeah, I was there the day after September 11th. No, he wasn't. He was in Washington. Like that is a provable lie. OK, and there's a lot of these lies. Obviously, the one right now taking center stage is the one surrounding his son's business dealings. But I think the biggest lie of all was that he was going to unite the country. Do you remember that old song and dance? Then he was like, Georgia's voter ID laws, Jim Crow on steroids. It's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. I'm telling you, MAGA fascists are the biggest threat to this country. That's the problem. The guy's just completely full of Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, there it is. And here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. That is us. We're still number one in the rankings. We're not playing championship ball. We could probably use a coaching change, maybe fire the general manager. Uh, But we're still in the standings looking good. Uh, Although, I've got to be honest, we could be playing a lot better. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, an audio safe space for cool people. You can be anything you want. You can believe anything you want. We say it every day. Be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a That's all we say. Big Thursday going on. Kevin Walling stopping by in a minute here. He is, of course, a Democratic strategist. Worked on the Biden campaign in 2020. Uh, I don't know that there will be a Biden campaign in 2024, the way things are trending. I think he's got a point. Okay, but we'll discuss it. Uh, another guy campaigning pretty actively right now for the White House, Ron DeSantis. Florida governor is going to join us at the tippy top of the third hour of today's broadcast and make his Fox Across America debut. And uh, it is a win for DeSantis today if he comes off well. I got to tell you, like he doesn't understand the significance of this interview because he is policy wise the best guy running. And he's done a phenomenal job as the governor of Florida. Like his credentials are legit good. Like DeSantis would be a phenomenal president. But I think he's got an uphill battle of getting the job, number one, because Trump is obviously, you know, immensely popular within the party, is leading him by about 50 points in the national polls. But I think, two, more than ever, you need to connect with people. And this show is, if nothing else, like it's just a mad lib of gosh knows what. Okay, I am essentially a social experiment. Fox took a guy with uh, very little education, (laughs) driving a cab, doing stand up comedy and threw me on the radio. You know, it was pretty crazy. This could be a problem. I mean, that's what a lot of the bosses said, but they went through with it and give them that it's radio. We're having a good time. But the one thing we do probably better than any show anywhere in the media is we give you a good glimpse into the person. 
okay, if they're fun-loving, you know, good-timey people that can kind of hang, they come off really well on this show. And it's cool, and it's good to see that in a politician. You want to know we're being led by humans. But if they're stiff, stilted, here are my talking points, they really come away flat. Like, if you remember, Carrie Lake on this show, when she was running for governor of Arizona, had the worst dismount in the history of radio interviews because she was talking to me a bit in talking points. I didn't want her to. I was trying to have a real conversation. So no matter what she said I, that was a canned point that I'd heard a million times, I responded to it and tried to make it fun and tried to force the conversation into other areas and just get us to a place where we could see what she was about. And we finally got to the end of the interview with her sounding like semi-human and, and relatable and fun. And I asked her, hey, Arizona's hosting the Super Bowl this year. If you're the governor of Arizona, what type of Super Bowl party are you going to throw? Now, this is a freebie. You could say, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of beer. I love guacamole. I'm excited for the half You could say anything. But what she said was canned. She goes, well, Jimmy, when I think of the Super Bowl, I just think of the stars and stripes and the national anthem and the... <laughs> Seriously, we were just like, get her out, get her out of here, because it wasn't human. It was canned. It was performative. It was politics. So what I'm hoping and praying is that we can give you a glimpse into the DeSantis behind the, you know, when you get past the super PACs and the consultants and the strategy. Okay, why? Because I've seen flashes of that guy in the campaign trail. um, And I think if voters saw more flashes of that guy, it would be better for him. It, It would. You know, the reality of politics right now is you're not running for president. You're running for class president. You just are. Okay, that's why Vivek is out there, you know, playing tennis with his shirt off and rapping to Eminem like a jackass. And he got a lot of media heat. He rose in the polls. You know, then the first debate happened and, you know, he was very disruptive. He told a lot of hard truths, you know, about, you know, globalists and the economy and everything in between. But, you know, he struck a lot of people as cloying. Like, I know Jenny wasn't a fan and thought he was a little bit of a tryhard. And I do consider Jenny a phenomenal judge of character. She grew up on a dairy farm. She's a good person. Just a very simple operating system. Okay, you couldn't marry me if you were that complex. Okay, and believe me, I am a very simple operating system. I'm like an iPhone 2. Okay, but when it comes to judging people's characters, um, this show is a really good gauge of that. So I like Tim Scott comes off great on the show. We talk about Rocky movies and we get into policy and we joke about the Cowboys. And even when Nikki Haley came on, she's calling me fat and talking about the studio. But it's funny. It's a person. It's a human. Okay, they're not so strategic. So this show being a better gauge than just about anything I've seen in media, will make for a very interesting encounter with Ron DeSantis at the top of the next hour. Right now, the focus is on the guy he's trying to replace. Okay, this McCarthy impeachment inquiry now underway. Democrats doing everything they can to tell you it's not credible. But here is uh, the defense of that from Republicans. We'll start with Scott Perry, uh, Representative Scott Perry, talking about the evidence. The Democrats claim there is none. Here is Perry's answer, clip 29. Uh, this isn't about political revenge. We have the bank accounts. We can see, ma'am, you can see that the homes that the Bidens own can't be afforded on a, on a congressional or Senate salary. You also understand that it's not normal for family members to receive millions of dollars from overseas interests. Those things aren't normal. That's not normal to have 20 cell, shell country, companies. These things are not normal, and it alludes to not only just widespread corruption, but money laundering, if not influence peddling itself. And we also have the president, the vice president at the time on record saying that the prosecutor was fired. Well, son of a bitch, the prosecutor was fired, right? Because the prosecutor was going after the the company that his son was working on. That's what we have. If you can't see that, 
if you are if you are that blunt, look, I'll turn it over to the attorneys. Can't see that. It's because you don't report on it. <laughs> Good for him. And what did what did he say? Okay. You know, if you can't see that, you're blind. And she had asked him, is this all political revenge? There's no evidence. Are you stupid or something? You'd either have to be or you'd have to be feigning stupid. It's all performance art. Okay. Here's Dan Bishop. Dan Bishop. Clip 30. Actually, if you're a federal prosecutor, you would be asking yourself, how can there not have been an indictment for a FARA violation against Hunter Biden? How can there possibly... I, my understanding and confirm, con, uh, discussions with staff have confirmed my impulse that this would be very much the the basis of a foreign of a um, uh, a foreign corrupt practices act investigation, uh, given the circumstances that we know. The question is, you know, it's funny. After we come out of the events of for the, that John Durham, for example, testified to to our committees about how investigations proceeded through our investigative agencies without proper predication. It's not that you have to prove the case. Okay, and that's, you know, what we're dealing with here. Okay, Farrah violations, corrupt practices, people getting in the way. There's a lot of evidence that they did something wrong. Again, I've been up front with you. I don't think this ends with, like, Biden in jail. I, I don't. I actually don't. Mark Wayne Mullen, Senator Mullen, said on the show, that you really can't impeach a guy for what he did as vice president when he's president. Okay, you can launch an inquiry. You can dig up all the dirt. You can showcase to the public just how corrupt this was. But at the end of the day, I don't expect Biden to go down. Have you ever seen the movie Chinatown? It's the same reason Hillary Clinton didn't get charged. You know, at the end of the movie when Mr. Gitz, Jack Nicholson character, pretty much has everybody dead to rights, and the guy just looks at him and goes, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Meaning... You know, these guys just do whatever the hell they want. Don't try to figure it out. You're going to drive yourself insane. The fix is in. That's a lot of our politics. That's why Trump is getting indicted for mishandling classified information, despite the fact that other people have mishandled classified information. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. But did they get indicted for it? The answer would be no. No. And that's the thing. Okay, a lot of double standards in our politics right now. And to be clear, they all coincidentally coincidentally favor the Democrats. And obviously that's a coincidence. It's not, you know, I'm not saying there's, you know, like some type of system in place to benefit them. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. (laughs) Such a scam. But the reason the Republicans are right to kick the tires on this, it's not about the political gain to be made because I don't consider it. I don't consider it a deliverable. Like when you look out at voters right now, the economy sucks. The border's bad. Crime's out of control. Schools are failing. People care about that stuff. I don't know that sending Joe Biden to jail is going to get the average person to go to the polls because it's not going to improve anything in their quality of life. But if you care about the country, you still want to know the truth because if the president's compromised, we're all compromised. Okay, if you care about election integrity, integrity, which we're told, hey, guys showed up at the Capitol January 6th, they should die in prison. Okay, that's what we were told. I mean, people are storming state houses all over the country. I mean, people barricaded themselves inside Kevin McCarthy's office this week. Is anybody proposing a 30-year prison sentence for that insurrection? The answer would be no. Of course not. Why? Because they are protesting on behalf of the Democrats. Folks, it is a two-tiered justice system. It's not good for the country. But the way to get that back is to get people into power who recognize the importance 
of restoring faith in our institutions, whether we're talking about public health institutions, whether we're talking about the Department of Justice, people who can believe in the government again, because right now we don't have a lot of them. That's the issue here. And getting to the bottom of the Biden thing would go a long way towards letting people buy in. Okay, just the way election integrity investigations would go a long way. The last two parties to lose a major major election said it was stolen. Trump said it was stolen. Every Democrat known to man said it was stolen. So if that's going to become the standard operating procedure here, we're, you know, one election cycle away from not having elections or at least not having ones that anyone believes in. So you might want to start having these hard conversations instead of saying that anybody who questions our democracy should belong in prison, especially when you're going to turn around and question our democracy if you don't get your way. So it's a really dumb time to be alive. (laughs) It's the the easiest way I can say it, okay? There's never been a dumber time to be alive than right now. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the phone! 888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Ron DeSantis coming up on the show here shortly, but joining us now, a man who worked on the campaign of the man DeSantis could very well be running against. He is a fan favorite on this show. Uh, Kevin Walling returns to the program. Hey, girl. Where'd you go, Walling? I was so excited about you. You're nowhere to be found. We might have lost him. He might have just saw the poll numbers and was like, you know what, actually, I don't know if I want to do this. This Jim, I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy Fail is usually a friendly guy. Walling, you ducking me? No, li- no luck. Uh, Kevin Walling is somewhere out there in the ether. Uh, we're going to bring him here to you shortly. Uh, we might be having a connection issue. He might be, uh, he might have been given one of those. One of those cell phones they give to the migrants when they cross the border. Biden, are you on a uh, <laughs> Walling? Are you on a border cell phone? I don't have them. Nothing. Walling, unmute your phone, you dirtbag. I don't know. We don't know what's going on. It's live radio. It's the beauty of doing this. I have to tell you, uh, with a background in stand-up, where you know there's always like a tray of drinks or a bachelorette party's throwing up or a fist fight breaks out. This is actually my favorite part of radio because you're just kind of here letting the situation unfold. And in stand-up, you have to actually do this and make sure you can be funny as well. I just need to berate Walling whenever we get him on the line. So my life is kind of easy. I'm laying in the tech support weeds right now, but we'll figure this out in a minute. Uh, But we're sitting here in studio. We were going to ask Walling about a clip from CNN that Daniel Dale uh, went on the air and started questioning Biden's recollections surrounding 9-11. Can you guys throw me clip 52 in the meantime? Yeah, 52. When did Biden actually visit Ground Zero? He went nine days after the attack, Brianna, September 20th. Uh, 2001, when he went with a bipartisan delegation of senators, asked the White House last night about this claim. They provided a photo of him there on September 20th, uh, reiterated that he was there that day. I think some people might say, oh, okay, you know, he was there. Just days, a matter of days. Nine days later, maybe he forgot. And and maybe he forgot. But look, it's 9-11. It's sensitive. He's speaking to military and first responders. So I think the, the facts matter. They do matter. And here's the rest of that, clip 53. Oh, 53. Sorry, man. 
There are some more serious ones in, in my view. Uh, previously in his presidency, he claimed at one point he'd been arrested during a civil rights protest when in other versions of the story he just said an officer had taken him home uh, from a protest. He said he had visited the, the Pittsburgh synagogue where worshippers were killed in a 2018 mass shooting. In fact, he'd actually spoken to the rabbi uh, but, never, but never went. Um, and he, he's made a whole bunch of others, too. Uh, he said at one point, Republicans like to bring this up, he said that he used to drive a tractor-trailer, used to drive an 18-wheeler. Never happened. The White House later clarified he used to drive a school bus at one point for, as, a, as a job briefly. School bus, of course, not an 18-wheeler. So whatever his intentions, whether it's you know, foggy memory about stuff that's going on decades ago or deliberate embellishment, this is an unfortunate pattern that keeps coming up again and again with Joe Biden. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Fascinating stuff because, again, the lies he just recollected, the synagogue, the truck driving, these lies weren't told this week. These are old stories that could have been reported on a year ago. They could have been reported on two years ago, which means if they're reporting on them now, there is a motivation to do so. Bingo. Like, it's, you need to know this. When you hear guys reporting on old news like it's new, okay, guys that skipped this the last time around. When Biden told the Amtrak story seven times and I had to go on TV and talk about it, I was the only guy on TV at that moment talking about it. None of the other networks were. Okay, when he said, hey, I was at the Tree of Life synagogue. No, he wasn't. Wow, oh, I was at 9-11 the day. No, he wasn't. Okay, he grew up in a black church, was raised Puerto Rican, do you remember that? Got oil, cancer. I mean, the guy, it's a disaster. So you understand that these lies are not new. He used to be a truck driver. Uh, I was a long-haul truck driver. And then the White House had to be like, well, he did drive a school bus once. We don't know that he did. That was just clean up an aisle, too. Joe Biden counts like a, if by his metrics I would be a jockey because I once put a, a quarter inside a horse outside a supermarket and rode it. No, I was, you know, I was a jockey, right? Like I rode a horse outside the supermarket. You know, that's what we're dealing with here. It's a sensationalist. He's a fabulous. He's a career liar because what happened to Biden, and this is true. This is a real thing, okay? Biden started out in an era of politics 50 years ago where technology was a lot different, and he got used to lying. You know how they say you can't fix grandpa, okay? Biden got used to lying in politics in the 70s and 80s when it was very rarely recorded and shared beyond the room you happen to be in. So you could show up in a room in Delaware, lie your fat face off, and then go to a room in Iowa, lie your fat face off, and tell them a completely different story, and one group would never hear from the other. Okay, then you can go up to Massachusetts, then you can go to New Hampshire. He actually got chased out in 1988 when technology started to catch up with him for all the lies he had told. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. <laughs> did you hear that? Step into my office. Why? Because you're fired. Biden now concedes he did not get a full scholarship. He did not graduate in the top half of his lawsuit. <laughs> Democrats are so full of crap. But it's Biden specifically. Uh, and what happened was, you know, he's been doing this since 1973. 
and he got so used to telling some of these lies that they become fact. It's like I can tell you this is a stand-up comic. There are certain subjects you have jokes about in your act, and when you tell them on stage, you get used to telling them a certain way because you've told them a million times. That's why you have to keep writing new material. Like I'm working on the stand-up special. You try to add 30, 40 new minutes to that hour as often as you can, which I've done. So you learn to do things spontaneously and more authentically. Biden's problem is he needs new material. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go, here we go. Buckle up, girlfriend. We got a big hour coming up of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who was not just indicted. Oh, good goodness. Uh, All hell breaking loose on Capitol Hill. Hunter Biden being indicted on a federal gun charge. After the plea deal fell through. Hunter's a dirtbag. We're going to be discussing Hunter. We're going to be discussing his dad. We're going to be discussing everybody in the race for the 2024 election with one of the most prominent names on the ballot, uh, that being Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who will be joining us shortly in this hour for an around the horn. Uh, You know, I'm going to whip it around the infield. He played ball at Yale in college. He was in the Little League World Series. Uh, I hope he brought his mitt because we got a lot of balls to throw around today. 888-788-9910. If you have a question for the governor, if you want to give him a report card on the interview at the end, I always say, man, uh, when people come on this show, I mean, listen, it's a very easy show. It's conversational. I'm not an activist. I'm a talk show host. So you come on here as a Democrat, you're going to leave feeling like a million bucks because I'm not here to scream at you and cut you off. I'm just here to have a good faith discussion around the issues. You know, the problem is I don't really come from any formal broadcast training. I don't have like a big, vast educational background. So it's a very conversational show. So if people come on and they're fun and they roll with it, they look like humans and they come off great. If they show up with all kinds of talking points and it's just, you know, this could be a problem. Okay, no one wants to talk to a Teddy Ruxpin on the radio where you stick the cassette in the back and it just goes, I'll close the border. You know, they want a human. And uh, I think for DeSantis, this is a huge opportunity. I mean, for us, it's a don't screw it up. I mean, but that's pretty much everything I do in my career at this point is they just say, like, oh, what are you, what are you doing? You're ordering a sandwich? Don't screw it up. They don't have a lot of faith in me, okay? And uh, the point is uh, I'm excited. So 888-788-9910. Let me get you up to speed on the Hunter thing really quickly. Uh, according, okay, to the official indictment, and I will read it to you here, uh, this is – Stemming from the collapse of the plea deal, okay? He possessed a firearms license, uh, was not authorized to deal in firearms under federal laws. Okay, he was authorized because he lied on a form. So he'd be facing up to 10 years in prison if it came to that. Does anybody actually expect it to come for that? The answer would be no. Now, Corrine Jean-Pierre famously said that Biden would not pardon his son. That, of course, was part of a confidence scheme. Okay, she was saying it because she didn't think he was going to be charged. And at the time, they believed the fix was in when it came to his plea deal. Wrong. Okay, fix wasn't in. A judge took a look at it and was like, dude, are you kidding me? It's a plea deal for a gun charge and a tax evasion crime. And it's absolving him from future crimes as well. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Seemed like the fix was in. Okay, but lo and behold, the deal just exploded. So three gun charges for Hunter now. He's got three indictments. Uh, You know, Trump is still sitting at 91. He's the league leader. Now it is early in the campaign. You don't you don't know what the number is going to be. 
hell is the world coming to? But I think when you're DeSantis, that's the best argument you can give. You're not in your late hundreds like Biden. You're not under 91 indictments like Trump. And you probably have less baggage going into the general election. Now, of course, winning the general election means getting the nomination. And that is, I got to be honest with you, man, the game has changed. Okay, there was a time when presidential politics was about who has the best ideas, who has the best policies. And to be clear, that would be a better time for you, me, your family, my family. Okay, but now we're running for class president. There's a lot of media sensationalism. There's a race to get clicks. Relevance is more important than competence. You know, Vivek on foreign policy has been a disaster. He's had to contradict himself on national TV a dozen times when confronted with things he said a year ago versus things he said now. But he's been cute in the media, so it hasn't really worked against him when it comes to getting booked. And his poll numbers have gone up as well. But when it comes to substance, when it comes to the money being on the table, okay, you do want somebody under center. You do want somebody in the huddle that's done a good job of leading the team down the field. And whether you love DeSantis or you hate DeSantis, there can be no argument against the leadership that he's shown in Florida. We will discuss that leadership and the quest to lead the nation as a whole when we come back on Fox Across America. It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Buy your own damn fries. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. We always say on this show, America is like the Michael Jordan of countries. And it definitely feels like we're going through that phase where he quit basketball and he's playing minor league baseball and everything's kind of a mess. Uh, joining us now uh, is a very prominent candidate to get this team back on track and playing championship ball. The 46th governor of Florida, who happens to be celebrating his 45th birthday, Governor Ron DeSantis on Fox Across America. Hey, man. Hey, how you doing? Uh, we're, we're pumped up to have you on the show. I have to say, when I saw that you were 45, so you're like half the age of everybody else running. <laughs> That's right. You know, it was interesting. I've been in New York this week. We were at the Ground Zero Remembrance, and I've done some other stops. I stopped to see Cardinal Dolan uh-huh. uh, in New York City, and he uh, and I was asking, like, you know, what's your trajectory after this? And he's like, well, when you're 75, they make you retire. And I told him, I was like, you can launch a presidential campaign right after <laughs> that, right? I mean, that seems to be what's going on. 75? This guy could be in the Senate for another 20 years. What is he talking about, man? Uh, I know. I... Well, I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, um, you know, when you look and see Nancy Pelosi's doubling down for another term, uh, we really do need term limits for members of Congress. I yes. mean, this is just getting ridiculous That's when scary. these people are there for 30 or 40 years. You look at how the country is descending, uh, particularly our insolvency. And these guys have had you know, the wheel for for how many decades? I think it's time to pass the torch. Yeah, I think people would agree with you on that. But this this I'm telling you now is an interesting interview because you are the matchup here. Okay, batter to pitcher uh, is you're a guy who played in the Little League World Series. I'm the kind of guy who bets on the Little League World Series. So, (laughs) you know, just don't dig in. Okay, don't dig in is all I ask. By the way, and I wanted to ask you that. How is by the your baseball skills these days? Can you still hit in a batting cage? Yeah, oh yeah. You know, that's something when you when you hit a ba- hitting a baseball is tough, but when you learn to do it at a young age, it's something that always sticks with you. So, yeah. for example, I didn't play golf growing up. Uh-huh. I haven't played golf in a while. If I took it, my swing would be all out of whack. Baseball, you know, if you throw me a fastball, I can hit the fastball, and it's just kind of the way it is. But I'll tell you, you know, with respect to Little League, I was thinking with the betting, you know, uh-huh. when uh, when we went to the World Series that year, our goal 
under our hats, we put WWT, which standed for We Want Taiwan, because they were the superpower in Little League Baseball in the late 80s and early 90s. Come to find out, the reason they were the superpower is because they were playing 13- and 14-year-olds in the 12-year-old league. So that was information that I think a lot of people could have used to predict them winning all those championships. So we were better as 12-year-olds, but they had 13- and 14-year-olds on their team. Ron DeSantis is on the line, Florida governor. He could have saved me a lot of money in 1991. Uh, had he shared that information? Well, I'll tell you, the two most fascinating things about your candidacy, obviously, is, you know, you're the governor of a state that is thriving. Uh, you're the only one in the race who played in the Little League World Series. And you happen to be uh, one of the few people at the top of the polls who is neither under indictment or has a child under indictment right now. Is that an odd feeling? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting world we live in, is all I can say. I mean, there's a lot of things we need to clean up in this government, for sure, and I will clean up the DOJ and the FBI. I'm also the only one running in either party that's actually served in uniform, mm-hmm. and it was something that when I was at the 9-11 remembrance, the families, a bunch of the families invited my wife and I. We went around and, um, and visited the names that were sketched in, the museum and everything, and I was, you know— uh, not affected by it directly in terms of I didn't have friends or family that died there, but that mm-hmm. was one of the reasons why I ended up joining the military. Mm-hmm. So it changed the trajectory of my life, and I ended up serving in Iraq and all this. And uh, as, a, as the president elected in 2024, I'd be the first president elected who served in a war since 1988. It used to be that was a pretty standard thing with presidents. Yeah. We've been a generation removed from having one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fascinating stuff. And uh, as it pertains to 9-11, I, my brothers are city cops here in New York. Uh, my brother Joey was off duty that day. Thankfully, he's okay. Uh, but he was brave enough to go down there. I was brave enough to drive him to a checkpoint. That was my contribution. But I have a lot of respect for guys like yourself who put on the uniform and you know put their well, lives and on. We the- in Florida, one of the things yeah. about being governor, outside of the New York City area, we have more retired FDNY uh, NYPD and Port Authority yeah. than anywhere in the country. So a lot of these guys were there on 9-11, now live in Florida. So we've done big 9-11 events yep. over the years I've been governor. And But what ended up happening, having so many of those guys in Florida, it inspired us to now we're the first state to require uh, mandatory 9-11 curriculum in the schools yeah. every September 11th. And so they're going to learn about the evil that happened that day, which we can never forget about, and we have to understand there are threats to freedom. But also the good that happened with how people responded and the number of people that gave their lives running into those towers, knowing they probably weren't going to be able uh, to ever get out of those towers, but they did it to be able to save others. And so that really, the people that responded, uh, that represents the best of America. And we need to make sure our young people know that. Yeah, I, I, I do agree there and that the fact that national buy-in isn't what it was. Like, we got to a really divisive place in our politics where and – I, and I would say Biden was a fraud for saying he was going to unite the country because, you know, we famously said voter ID laws were Jim Crow on steroids and it was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. You know, he didn't not exactly an olive branch if you're trying to get people to save the date to a unity party. I don't know that calling him Jim Crow on steroids is going to get the job done. But as it pertains to the conversation of COVID, okay? Okay. There's been a lot of revisionist history around COVID. Okay, and you have gotten what I consider to be uh, rightly deserved credit for your leadership. I know there was an initial shutdown, but the president, uh, former President Trump, is trying to say that you listened to Fauci more than he did. Is there any world where that's true? 
No, of course not. I mean, we, uh, you know, loosely followed federal guidelines for a matter of weeks, and then we departed and led the nation for a matter of years. And that is well documented. Almost everything I did uh, from making sure businesses could be open to making sure kids could be in school to making sure people could be attending church and synagogue and doing what they wanted to do and make their own decisions. Fauci opposed us vocally while he was working for Donald Trump. uh, And that is very well documented. In fact, uh, during that time in COVID, particularly the summer of 2020 and beyond, the Florida media would use the Trump administration as a cudgel to attack me because they'd say, Governor DeSantis is not following the White House guidelines. He has restaurants open. He has all this other stuff. And they were constantly coming back to that. So that's just the reality. And I also remember, because I was working really hard to help Donald Trump get reelected in 2020, I remember cringing when his campaign put out a video uh, where Fauci is bragging that everything he told uh, Donald Trump to do, Trump did. They were bragging about that. And then, of course, his last day in office, he gave he gave Fauci a presidential commendation. Megyn Kelly confronted him about that, and he said, "Oh well, I don't know who that who who, who gave that to." It literally <laughs> says President Trump awards commendation. Is this the immaculate commendation or something like that? Does this just no. happen out of thin air? Give me a break. People need to take responsibility for their actions. They need to they need to own what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's the thing that's important looking forward. You know with me, all those mistakes will never be repeated again. Mm -hmm. And you know I will hold NIH, CDC, FDA accountable for the mistakes and the lies and everything that happened that hurt a lot of people in this country. Mm -hmm. You can take that to the bank with me. Mm -hmm. But Donald Trump, he's basically saying he did everything right. And I think that means you should understand he would do the same thing all over again if put in that position, and that would be disastrous for our country. Yeah, it wouldn't be good. We're talking to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, and I, t- to be clear, uh, we give you all the credit in the world because I say when it comes to COVID, but when it really comes to any issue, true leadership is not about reading the room and the poll numbers and the news cycle. It's about crunching the data and leading the room, even if you have to do so in the face of great criticism from the press. Because at the end of the day, if you got to get the job done, uh, you got to get the job done. You don't need to win a popularity contest for 24 hours on CNN and MSNBC or even my channel. You need to lead. So we give you all the credit and in even, the world. Even if, even if it ends up being longer, that's your detriment. Yeah. Because during the time when I was really getting pressured, particularly over the summer of 2020, to say, oh, cases are going up, you got to shut down all this stuff. Fauci was saying that the media, I had supporters that were telling me, dude, you're getting filleted. Yep. You need to do something. You need to just, or just do some mandate just to show you're doing something. And I said, no, that's not right. Mm-hmm. If at the end of the day, mm-hmm. yep. if that costs me my job, then mm-hmm. that is the problem. You cannot put your finger in the wind. And, and after, you know, eight, 12 weeks into the COVID thing, I knew what I was doing was yep. right. I knew it wasn't popular. I knew the, the medical establishment yep. and the media were not going to back what I was doing. But I knew it was right, and I was willing to let the chips fall where they may. I cared more about getting kids in school and making sure yep. these businesses survived than I worried about how it affected my political uh, trajectory. And mm-hmm. you know what happens? Yep. When people see you do the right thing under those circumstances – they may not appreciate it in the instant. Yeah. It may take them some time, but eventually 
they appreciate what you did, and I think that's one of the reasons we've done so well in Florida because oh. people know yep. I'm willing to fight for them uh, even when it's not easy. And I think people do love that about you. I think that's commendable. Uh, I'm going to ask you one question about someone else you're running against. Uh, Tim Scott, who's been on this show, famously, famously claimed on this show, this might shock you, it must be the, mo- it might be the most damaging piece of opposition research on Tim Scott, is he claims that Rocky Three is the best Rocky. Does a Ron DeSantis presidency open with Rocky three? No, no way. I mean, look, I, I, I always go back to Rocky one. The OG. Uh, but if you had to push me beyond Rocky one, just because I was a kid and I mm. went to see Rocky four oh, uh, in, yes. in the theaters yes. and, and saw the fight against Drago. Yes. And I was inspired yes. uh, to really become a, a strong cold warrior in part. Uh, because of Rocky Four, so okay. you know, while I respect Clubber Lang, um, <laughs> I think the original Rocky is the uh, is the is the classic, um, and then I do think Rocky Four, from a pro America perspective, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta pay respects to that uh, that fight against Drago. And you know what? If you don't actually shout out Rocky for beating Drago, there are factions of the media that would say you're in bed with Russia. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's interesting though. You know, at that time. You know, probably the liberal media was more on the side of Drago. You know, they <laughs> no! probably thought that it was they were jingoistic or too nationalistic to be rooting for Rocky. You know, now I know they've kind of changed because of the Trump-Russia collusion force yeah. and all that. But uh, but that was definitely, you know, as a kid going to different moves, that was definitely one that I had huge, huge memories oh, I love of about doing. And I've shown, right. um, you know, some snippets to my kids. Yeah, no, I'm your age. I was shadow boxing in that theater. But I was realistic. Like, you served in the military. You played college ball. I, You know, when you're in the theater and you want to be Rocky, I actually just wanted to be Paulie. You know his deadbeat brother-in-law? <laughs> and, I mean, I'll tell you what. He played a that was a great character. Young. I think he did a good job. And, uh, you know, those are some epic moments i mean you had uh, uh burgess meredith yes, as, as mick i mean what a great character i mean it was those were great films i mean they yeah. did a really good job and think about how much he's been able to do we rocky five never happened we know that <laughs> so just put that aside but when they did rocky balboa many years later it was a good movie it was i mean good. I, my wife and i went to see it we was good and then the whole creed series i think it's been really good no a hundred a hundred percent governor DeSantis. We, we love that we love that take and i gotta tell tim scott because the high horse rocky three thing like i get it but i'll handle it for it you don't worry about nothing um we do know it's your birthday i'm sure there's going to be some type of celebration but really quick i'm down 40 seconds but you did launch uh your early state faith coalition today correct yeah that's right so iowa new hampshire south carolina you know we've got a lot of uh faith leaders but also just um you know iowans new hampshire folks and south carolinians who just want to be able to to exercise freedom Mm -hmm. i think the left in this country um you know, they're oh, on the, the mark against everything. religious freedom. We're yep. going to protect it as president. No, we, we appreciate that. OK, you you protect you protect it. Uh, you stand your ground on that Rocky one of that Rocky four. I'll handle anybody else who comes by here. Uh, we really appreciate you giving us a minute of your time. Happy birthday. Would you have a beer later? Yeah, we will. I mean, you know, my wife, uh, my wife and I <laughs> are not together today. So oh, that's even better. Together.
Ron DeSantis. How about it? This guy will say anything. I actually thought he did a really good job. Talked about Rocky movies. It was funny. We talked about baseball and the Little League World Series and, of course, a lot of policy and covert leadership that, to be clear, is commendable. Uh, we ran out of time at the end when he was talking about having a beer, but it sounds like his wife's not in town and it's his birthday and there's beer. <laughs> I don't know that that's the case. The truth is when you're a married guy with kids, he's got three kids. You're my age. He's 45. Um, when you people hear like, oh, wow, your family's away. It's going to get nuts this weekend. Huh? And you actually, no, you're actually going to do nothing. Like you very rarely get a chance to do nothing. It is the most underrated thing in the world is just doing a little nothing from town to time. That's why I'm so jealous of President Biden. Every time I turn on the TV, the guy's on another beach. Riding a bicycle. It's unbelievable. Uh, I don't know how I get that work-life balance. But joining me now is a guy who could tell me uh, how to do such a thing. He worked on the 2020 campaign. Uh, he is a Democratic strategist. We know him and love him as Kevin Walling. Hey, Kevin Walling. Hey, buddy. You've got the best work-life balance ever. Get the heck out of here with Dude, that. What are you talking Wait, stop it. I, no, no. I just don't treat my work like a professional. That's why it looks that way. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. That was a great conversation with DeSantis, actually. Oh, thanks. And have you heard that? You doubled my ratings. Thank you. That's a big deal. Uh, no, he uh, is—he was funny. He showed a lot more personality here, which I was nervous about that because, you know, he's very substantive on the campaign trail. And I think in radio, like, if you come on and you just do your talking points, it's just a, such a drag. No, it's miserable. Yeah. And I, I, I think you're great at bringing out, like, the humanity of these candidates, which is so important to see the other side of them. Yeah, no. Now, Mm-hmm. The only thing I will differ with you on is there was a rumor that you started that I was on one of those Obama phones earlier at the border. <laughs> uh, and I've been dealing with text messages about that ever since. I'm not on the border. Uh, I've got a Biden phone that is now working. OK, just <laughs> just checking. Uh, and believe me, we know uh, nobody in the Biden administration is going near the border. That was clearly a joke. I mean, the phone only works during working hours, nine to five. Nothing after hours, but, you know, it's, it's pretty solid. Kevin Walling joining us on work release, apparently. Uh, always, nice to, <laughs> always nice to hear your voice. So here's my question for you, Walling. Did the media, yeah. did someone in the media put out a hit on Joe and Kamala politically? Because they're suddenly reporting a lot of negative polls that aren't new polls. They're old polls in terms of people thinking the country's going in the wrong direction or, you know, thinking Biden's a little older. You know, that's not a new poll reflection. That's something we could have talked about a year ago. So why is the media suddenly acknowledging this? Is it the deadline for other candidates to file? Like, what would you attribute it to? It's a good question, Jimmy. I mean, interestingly enough, you know, around the same time, back in 2012 and 20, uh, you know, 2020, you saw the, the spate of art, the same, literally the same article headlines, like Obama in trouble mm-hmm. for the reelect, yeah, Trump yeah. in trouble for the reelect. I think you got a lot of these, you know, journalists that are fairly lazy that want the clicks, like, oh, my God, Biden's going down, Obama's going down. Trump's going down, uh, and, you know, they're feeding that media frenzy and that clickbait atmosphere. And, again, the headlines are the exact same that we saw in the lead-up to all those different elections for presidential reelect. Well, one thing you mentioned that's interesting, though, is when you talk about this kind of happening to Obama, there was no doubt about whether or not he was going to be the nominee. He was 40 years younger than Biden is right now, or, you know. So I don't think that was the concern so much as this time around. When you hear, like, you know, people who worked for Obama, you know, when the Jim Messinas of the world are on TV saying, you know, everybody thinks he's too old, even like when a Joe Scarborough is saying everybody thinks he's too old. Should we not be reading into that? Or do you, do you genuinely think that's just, you know, kind of muckraking for clicks? 
I mean, I, I very rarely listen to Joe Scarborough on anything. God love him. Good uh, advice. Good so, advice. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it's to be interesting. And I, I think it's lazy, though, you know, and just this kind of piling on that we're seeing. But if the polls think, say that, is it lazy of them to report it? I mean, I would think it was lazier when they weren't reporting it. Sure. Not, 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 lazy, lazy journalism in that just regurgitating what people have written, you know, the last couple mm-hmm. of presidential reelects is, is the, the argument that I'm making. Okay. I think, you know, as the president has said, you know, age can absolutely be an issue. And, uh, you know, some folks are going to vote on that issue. And I think you're going to see a president in the White House really concerned with that and, and trying to counter that narrative that, that's out there. Now, is it helpful to see all these kind of more left-leaning folks doubling down? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, he's faced harder Harder realities in the lead up to 2020 than he's having right now. Came in fifth in Iowa, he, you know, came in fourth in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. all but dead. And he, you know, I think when you undercut uh, or underappreciate Joe Biden, I think that's when he actually performs, interestingly enough. But is that part of the reason for why they're kind of reconfiguring the primaries? Because they know he'll win South Carolina and he probably wouldn't withstand losing Iowa and New Hampshire this time around. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, part of it, I, I think part of it is a Democratic Party that actually, you know, is concerned about, you know, having kind of a diverse uh, group of voters out there. And, you know, Iowa and New Hampshire are beautiful places, not so much in the winter for both of them. Uh, you know, I, I claim South Carolina now. Come on down to South Carolina as an early primary state. You know, that, that Republicans should want to do that, too, and move it to the front of the line. Because, again, I think, you know, Democrats are actually interested in getting folks that can to they can appeal to a wide uh, swath of voters. Hmm. Well, listen, the one thing I, I'm looking into, and this matters, we're talking to Kevin Walling, is there, you know, you've attributed this to laziness, but when I hear Nancy Pelosi uh, refuse to give Kamala the seal of approval, the actual yeah, verbatim. That was, that was kind of. Interesting. Thank on you. CNN. Yeah. And, yeah. You, and you know this. OK, this is the yeah. verb. Is Vice President Kamala Harris the best running mate for the president? Her words. Joe thinks so. He thinks yeah. so. I yeah. mean, you're getting married. OK, <laughs> if we I asked your so. family, if your fiance was a good guy and they said, well, Kevin thinks so. That's a no. This is what? Which is what they say, which is what they say. I, I got to read more into that. <laughs> That's what they yeah, say to him was, about you, I'm sure. Actually, I think, you know, funny enough, I, you know, I, I don't think I'm betraying any, anyone's, you know, Come inward thoughts and stuff like that. I, I think, you know, in that, that California delegation of which they serve together uh, is an interesting place in terms of the different personalities. You know, now, you know, uh, the speaker was on Morning Joe this morning talking about the Biden, you know, Harris administration, stuff like that. So. Somebody got it. Somebody got to her to get her back, you know, in the reservation. Yeah, well, that definitely went on. Uh, and they they cut her mic before she could hear about the Hunter Biden indictment because she might have blew that one, too. What do you make of that? Are you concerned? You know, it's never great to see any kind of son, child, relative of a president being indicted. I think, you know, as I've said to you many times on your show, you know, Hunter Biden is not above the law. Donald Trump's not above the law. Should be treated like everybody else. And. Look at the sentencing guidelines. Look at what judges in the past on this issue um, have ruled on, and and let's hope that that's somewhere in that that modicum of of uh, uh, of prior prior service, you know, 
prior sentencing in terms of uh, in terms of this case. Well, I will tell you, Walling, you got your work cut out for you the next couple of months because if CNN, in your prayers, because if CNN is bashing Biden, that's going to be the intro to every segment you do on this channel from oh, now until Christmas. I know it. I know it, my man. <laughs> Dude, light a candle, light a candle, say a prayer. You but better, I, you know, I'm a happy, I'm a happy warrior. I believe in the guy and uh, and what he's trying to do. Did I? So that I expect to see you in goalie equipment in goalie pads the next time you're on the air. It's going to be a lot of shots on goal. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you could be right because this is the one thing I'll say about the transactional media, okay, is I think there is an intellectual curiosity in getting him off the ticket. That's my take. Yours can be different, and that's fine. I know it's a very tight window because October's coming. Um, You know, the issue becomes if he stays on the ticket, you know, the media is then tasked, and they'll do it with a straight face, with pretending they've been behind him all along, you know, and they will do yeah. that. Like if he gets the nomination, he's running against any Republican. You, Joe Scarborough is not going to be saying Biden's too old. Yeah, you saw the same thing with Obama, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. And Democrats love to wring our hands. All is lost. Woe is me. I mean, Joe Biden had the best friggin' midterms ever uh, in recent memory as an incumbent president, you know, gaining a seat in the Senate, losing the House by five votes. I mean, come on. So, I, again, it goes back to that. Every time you underestimate Joe Biden. You know, he comes through pretty well. Yeah. No, I will give you that. Uh, so, I, listen, I don't know where I don't know where it's going to go. But my feeling is my feeling is the media is turning. Now, you can tell me this is seasonal. It's like the pumpkin spice turn and it won't be here sure. after Thanksgiving. Uh, we may have to. People used to do this in this country. They used to agree to disagree. Do you remember agree to disagree back in the day? Wasn't yeah. the world better? It would not be disagreeable. Yeah. Amen. The world was so much better. Now it's like you disagree. You're not my friend. I want him yeah. canceled. Like we've turned not into a bunch that, of or- – yeah. But you are also Hitler if you disagree. Well, you can thank uh, your party yeah. for that, Tarzan. That has hey nothing now, to hey do with now. me. We said you were semi-fascist. Exactly. All the way fascist. <laughs> My favorite thing, <laughs> Walling. Thank you for th- Thank you for that. My favorite thing about the performative hysteria of liberal media. Okay, it's my favorite Mm -hmm. thing in the world is when they literally when they started saying Trump was literally Hitler on NBC. I'm like, dude, you gave him a primetime show for 15 years. Like if he's literally Hitler, you're you're literally Goebbels. You know what I'm saying? And like nobody owned it. And that's the part, the manufactured hysteria that's hurting us. That's why I think you and me are doing the world a service, no matter how many of my listeners have changed the station. (laughs) Well, they'll be back momentarily. Listen, (laughs) Alex and I were talking about the same thing. Joe and Mika used to have Trump call in or time. on set mm-hmm. all the time. Yep. You know, come on, guys, because it's good for ratings. Just yeah. like these headlines that all is lost with Joe Biden. Great for ratings, great for clickbait. Ooh, they love those ratings. And that, well, that one kind of blew up because Trump tweeted, I remember this. I was going to L.A., uh, and <laughs> he tweeted on a Friday. He was bashing them. He's like, Mika showed up at my house on New Year's Eve badly bleeding from a facelift. Oh, God. I know. Yeah. And it was just such a grotesque. You know, every once in a while he would tweet us into a pocket of disgusting. And yeah, I was yeah. just. I loved when he would, like, tweet about pop culture stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Who did he say should, like, break up? Like, yeah, oh, Harry and Meghan. Justin Bieber or something like no, that. No, yeah, he said like, it about Justin Bieber, but he also said Harry and yeah. Meghan, like, he feels bad for Harry. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'd wish him Go luck. back to that. That was more fun. Pop culture Trump's a good Trump. I will give him that. Yeah. Uh, there's, and, and, and they're all good Kevin Wallings, no matter what people say. You're the best man. Amen, say hi brother. to Alex. You are. I will. See you, buddy. There he goes. The great Kevin Walling telling it like it is in his mind. Get him out of here. Get him out. The critics have spoken. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, your radio buddy. Scheduled to become your TV buddy tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I'll be joining Sean Hannity for a live audience episode of Hannity. That's assuming nobody else gets indicted. And I wind up getting bumped from the show. I have traditionally been the closer. They bring me in the last, you know, the last uh, block of the show. And then, uh, you know, tell a couple of jokes, talk about the week in news. And then uh, usually, uh, and Sean has been very good about this, and I have to give him credit for this, he lets me work on my stand-up bits for the live audience after the show. Like last time I was there, I had Lincoln with me and uh, his nephew Jonathan. My, you know, my sister's son, uh, Jonathan, my nephew Jonathan, uh, his cousin Jonathan. And we got to stick around and bang out some stand-up jokes for the crowd. Because as you know, I am filming a stand-up comedy special. Uh, for Fox Nation, tapes Friday night, October the 13th at the Paramount in Huntington. We're down to two outfits in the wardrobe department. They're not outlandish. They're not crazy. It's not like stuff from my Tiger King collection that you might see me wearing on Gutfeld. Lots uh, of stand-up stuff. Uh, but if you want to see me do stand-up in person, uh, Sugarloaf, New York. If you're listening on Catskills Radio, uh, I will be running my one-hour special. Uh, this is the scrimmage. Uh, it is this Saturday night at Sugarloaf. There's a few tickets left at the Sugarloaf Performing Arts Center. Uh, the taping for the special Friday night, October the 13th. Then I will be in Helena, Montana, Friday night, October the 27th. Idaho Falls Colonial Theater, uh, Saturday night, October the 28th. Uh, November 11th, if you're listening on WIBX, I'll be up at the Stanley Theater in Utica with Kennedy. Last stop on the Laughs and Liberty Tour. And then December 16th, flying solo down in Florida at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. Hey, girl. Saturday night, December 16th, night before my birthday. So that could get really ugly in the casino. But really quickly, I wanted to round out third, head for home here with some DeSantis takes. Uh, I was pleasantly pleased with uh, the interview in the sense that he did have a lot more personality than they're giving him credit for. I will send him a note saying as much, uh, not that I thought he was going to be a drag, but this is a very different show to do. Because most people get on the radio, it's policy, policy, policy. So it's like you're watching them on TV, but you can't see them. You're just getting the, you know, give me the elevator pitch for your candidacy. What I'm trying to give you is the person. And the reason you're trying to reveal character is, is because if somebody is going to lead the country and be in charge, I'm not talking about the Joe Biden. Like, Joe Biden's not in charge. I agree with that. But if you're going to elect a president who's actually, like, in charge under times of great duress, you want to know that they have the character to lead. You want to know that they're not going to be, you know, completely consumed by the outside pressures and guided in their judgment by what might be popular. One of the things DeSantis said that really snuck with, stuck with me is I was talking about COVID. I said in how real leadership means that sometimes you've got to make a decision that you think is the right one, regardless of whether or not it's going to be popular for the next 48 hours. And he took it a step further, having been a governor in the face of a pandemic with a very elderly population. Uh, and he said, sometimes you got to take the criticism for months or years. You know, because if you get it right in the end, you'd like to think the payoff's going to be there. And for him, it certainly was in terms of pot in Florida. He won reelection going away with overwhelming margins. You know, in terms of where he takes this in the general, it's going to be tricky, man. Trump's got a 50 point lead. I mean, he's got a massive lead. He's also got 91 indictments. It's going to be very hard to lead the country if he goes to jail. Uh, and the Democrats are certainly going to throw everything at him. But the one thing I leave here pleased about is I do know, having interviewed DeSantis, Tim Scott, and Nikki Haley, any of them would actually be a great president in the sense that they've showed a lot more character on this show than I ever get, you know, from the other side of the aisle, okay? And they were candid, and, you know, they can talk to you about issues, and it's not a series of character assassinations. It's a substantive give and take, and that's the point people need to understand, okay? When you hear people say, 
Like, oh, Kevin Walling alluded to this as a Democrat. Oh, if you disagree with me, you're Hitler. You're a racist. That is their strategy. But when that becomes your debate strategy, okay, remember this. The old adage is if you have the facts, pound the facts. If you got nothing, pound the table. The Democrats pound the table on everything. Oh, you don't think biological men should be beating up on women in sports? You're a transphobe. You know, that's what they do. Oh, you think people should be showing ID to vote? You're a racist. You should secure the border. What are you kidding me? Xenophobia, you know, and that's unfortunately made it very difficult to have substantive debates because they don't want to run on issues. They want to run on character assassinations because in the era of social media where it's just a race to mount click more, you know, the stuff that goes viral is usually the most debauched takes. That's why AOC is popular. She just cooks macaroni and cheese on Instagram and says stupid things and stupid people tune in and they're like, this is amazing. AOC is a dope. But there's some something about the way she looks me in the eye while she's screwing up the mac and cheese and preaches socialism. You know, wears the tax, the rich dress while she gets rich, drives a Tesla, fights with Elon Musk on Twitter and then buys one of his cars. Like there's so much stupid hypocrisy in our politics. So you've heard me say this before, and I'll probably say it 100 times for as long as this race goes on. Substantively and leadership wise, DeSantis might be the best guy because of the job he did running Florida. He is a phenomenal governor, like world class governor. He is. You can't argue with it. You can't argue with the job, with the economy. You can't argue with the amount of people migrating there. You know, the low tax rates, you can't. Okay, he's doing a phenomenal job. Okay, the task, though, is not to get elected president. In the year 2023, it's class president. Okay, and I hope he flashes more of that personality on the campaign trail for his sake because it goes a a lot further in this day and age than any of the substance. It just does. Okay, the media just says your substance is racism, it's bigotry, it's hateful. Okay, but your personality, if in fact it's likable, likable, it connects with voters. I mean, you never think so as a traditional political strategist, but Trump calling Rosie O'Donnell a pig and a dog and a slob was appealing to voters because it was so like unrefined that they were like, this is amazing. So if I'm DeSantis, I start doing your mama jokes at the next debate. See where the road takes you. Either way, this show is over. Uh, Go enjoy your life. Uh, Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.